Hello and welcome everyone to this instalment of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Now today I'm interviewing author B.B. Taylor about her new early chapter book, The Vigilante Tooth Fairy. And this podcast actually forms part of the book's blog tour. So if you're on Twitter or any kind of social media, make sure you look for hashtag The Vigilante Tooth Fairy and read some of the other reviews and special pieces that B.B. has done too. everyone today i am talking to author bb taylor about her brand new first chapter book the vigilante tooth fairy which is illustrated by james shaw and published by tiny tree children's books hi there bb hi hi thank you very much for joining us no problem i'm glad to have you on i just had a read through of your lovely book at the weekend and it's great fun so i'm looking forward to talking to you about it oh thank you <laughs> you are welcome so why don't you tell those poor people who haven't had a chance to read it yet a little bit about what the vigilante tooth fairy is all about so the vigilante tooth fairy is all about mouse uh, mouse was always told she was too little to be a tooth fairy and it was her one wish to be a tooth fairy like all the big tooth fairies um and one day mouse realizes that there's a major problem magic is running out children are no longer leaving their teeth out for the tooth fairy so Ma- mouse decides that she's going to break all the rules and rebel to try and save magic so it's all about doing the wrong thing but for the right reasons and seeing whether she can go through with breaking the rules Oh, interesting. And why did you decide to base it around the tooth fairy? Because I haven't seen any other books similar, which is great. So why did you decide to do that? Um, I didn't intentionally, to be honest. Um, I started writing it uh, a few years ago. I was in hospital. Um, I'd got influenza type B, which I'd also never heard of. Um, mm. And I was stuck in the hospital and there was a competition to submit the first thousand words of a story. And um, while I was in the hospital, I came up with this idea about a little girl called Faith um, who, you know, wanted to, you know, meet fairies, wanted magic to be real, wanted things to happen that all her friends told her wasn't going to happen. And that's where Mouse came along. And the first thousand words were written and it didn't get anywhere in this competition. And it just kind of sat in its drawer for a little while. And then about a year later, uh, I accidentally came across it again. And the story just clicked and it was like, it needs to be about the tough fairy. You know, there's so many classic story tales where it goes very smoothly and there's your happily ever after. And, you know, it's very traditional. But I wanted to look at the stories that hadn't been told, you know, the alternative fairy stories, you know, a bit more quirkier and a, a bit more rebellious. Mm. That certainly does come through. And um, one of the really strong themes for me was as you've already mentioned to keep believing in magic the main the one of the main human character if you like isn't quite sure whether to keep believing or not why did you want to kind of make that one of your um focuses I think there's so much we can gain from wanting to believe in magic it's hope it's aspirations it's dreaming of the impossible and someone telling you no you can do this 
you know, you can have these adventures, you can achieve things that anything is impossible if you just dream and try hard enough. And I think magic is a key catalyst for that because magic gives you that opportunity to think outside the box and to think bigger and to think of the things that you wouldn't normally think that could be possible. So for me, magic's about helping people believe in themselves and believe that they can achieve things no matter how little they are, no matter how much they might be, you know, the outside bet or they might not be the first choice for anything in life you know you can go on and achieve whatever you want if you have that dream and you hold on to it so for me it was very much about self-belief and about encouraging people to believe in themselves oh interesting and you mentioned a second ago as well that you wanted to explore the idea of doing all the wrong things for all the right reasons is that born out of personal experience or observation I think there's so many choices we get given in life where sometimes you you think about you know the moral choices that we make and sometimes you know you think of oh I want to do that but I want to do it for a good reason and it's looking at is it right to do the wrong thing with the best intentions and what could the consequences be and where could those actions lead us so it's about looking at you know not just breaking the rules but trying to break the rules for the right reason and uh, is the intent good or bad when you do that which I think is quite a difficult lesson for, to explore, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And thinking about consequences to actions is it can be difficult for children sometimes. I think definitely for children, you're always told you've got to do the right thing and you can't do the wrong thing. But there are grey lines there. And I think for children, when they're making their own choices, it's having that moral compass of right and wrong and whether your decisions do have an action. It's not as always as clear as we'd like it to be. And children need to grow and evolve and learn that for themselves sometimes as well. Mm, no, I agree. It's important for them to start making their own decisions and think things through for themselves, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you. Now, in um, your lovely story, Mouse, the main character, is never far from her fairy pack. And I was very struck by the idea of having a fairy pack so could you possibly just explain to people what a fairy pack is and then tell me what would be your top three items to have in your own fairy pack so a fairy pack is an essential survival guide for every fairy and the tough fairies in theirs have a guide which leads them to the teeth there's a little bit of magic in there to help them if they need to send someone off to sleep or need to work a little bit of magic to move anything heavy. And there's also those all-important coins that they leave behind as payment for the teeth. Mm. Um, for me, oh, my fairy backpack. Oh, there's so much I'd want to fit in it. But for me, my top three items would probably be a book, a never-ending book of adventures, uh, a map of impossible places to visit and some Ferrero Rochers for the journey. I like that you've thought of all practical aspects there. Yeah, can't yeah, forget no. the chocolate. No, very important. Good choices. I'm not quite sure what would be in mine. I think I'm going to have to give it a bit more thought, but I like your map to impossible places. That would be a fun a fun map to explore, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, so the Vigilante Tooth Fairy is your first kind of young young reader, isn't it? Your first kind of chapter book that you've you've written. 
Um, how was um, the process of doing that and getting it to publication different to your, your other books? Um, it was an interesting process. Um, the Vigilante Tough Fairy wasn't the first chapter book I wrote, but it's the first oh. one that's going to publication. Um, right. So I was very, very lucky a few years ago to go to a workshop ran by an amazing author called Paula Harrison. Mm-hmm. So she writes The Rescue of Princesses, which has sold over a million copies worldwide. Mm-hmm. And um, she is an absolutely fantastic author. And she was doing a workshop all about writing chapter books and chapter book fiction and I had never even contemplated writing a chapter book before then it was all either picture books or very very long you know upper middle grade or YA so the the prospect of writing a full-length story in such a compact way you know terrified me to start off with it was like how do you fit it all in but the way she worked with us and the way she showed us about story arcs plotting them out and making the most out of your storylines in a shorter space just clicked with me and immediately I fell in love with writing chapter books because there was so much of an adventure you could have in such a short space and you didn't need to have a massive attention span or you didn't need to be reading it for three or four weeks you could have that adventure in your hands in a bite size and to me it just seemed like the most wonderful concept so I kind of got a bit hooked on writing chapter books and it's kind of the length I really enjoy writing now because you can you know develop a story quite quickly and get into the action quite quickly but also you can weave quite a lot into that story without losing anything and it's just all there it's all jam-packed in and you know in a nice bite size that's easy to take anywhere with you so yeah that that's kind of been my experience of it but without Paula I never even would have contemplated writing it interesting so do you have any other um shorter chapter books coming up in the near future for us to look out for um fingers crossed yes um there's a couple that are out on submission at the moment there's one that's just been accepted but i'm not allowed to talk about it yet um so that should be coming late 2000 uh late 2021 Mm-hmm. um so yeah um, there are a few that are out there um different topics uh but all for the same sort of age range and all very light-hearted adventure type stories because that's the sort of stories that I loved reading when I was younger I loved fantasy and magic and being able to escape into a story and imagine myself right there with the characters and for me that's what gets me excited when I'm writing yeah and I think it's brilliant that there are more of these shorter quicker to read more accessible chapter books available now because I, I think certainly when I was growing up you had picture books and then you had your longer middle grade titles I didn't seem to be as much in the middle ground like there is now which is brilliant yeah definitely fab so moving away from tooth fairies and on to school visits yes now I know that you do lots of school visits and they always look absolutely amazing, although I'm sure you probably would tell me differently at some point. <laughs> um, but I was just wondering, in your experience, what would be your top tips to give to other authors or illustrators and to the schools who are hosting to ensure that you have a great visit and that everyone gets the very most out of it that they can? Some authors absolutely love school visits. Some authors are petrified at the thought of school visits. 
me myself I absolutely adore author visits I love being able to stand in front of a group of young people and see the excitement and the buzz that they get out of learning about stories creating new stories hearing your stories and being able to see that interaction with them face to face Um, some authors don't feel comfortable with it and what I would say is always do what feels right so don't force yourself to do something that doesn't feel natural because it will come across to the children I love to be silly I love to have a laugh I love to joke about I love to make a fall out of myself you can't enjoy people laughing with you and around you what can you do is my opinion um I always say to other authors when I'm talking with them that do what feels comfortable so if you want to talk about yourself that's fine if you want to do activities that's fine as well but don't pick something that's going to feel unnatural um and bite size break down your author visit into bite-sized chunks children have a great attention span when they're engaged but if you keep it in smaller bite-sized chunks you can make it as long or as short as you need to to then aim at a different age group or a different attention span or a different size group as well so it makes your talks more versatile And for schools that are visiting, it's always important to try and prep your children and let them know that they're having an author come and visit. If you can, tell them a bit about the author, maybe show them some of the books or look them up online if you haven't got the books already. And the most important thing for any author visit is always offer your author a nice cup of tea or coffee on arrival. It makes such a difference to how the rest of their day goes, especially if they're talking lots throughout the day and especially Mm. if they're on the go all day. But for me, author visits can be one of the most rewarding experiences you will ever have. And I absolutely love them. It's just such a fantastic way to build up that excitement around reading for children, isn't it, as well, and to expose them to new authors and new ideas get them to try something new and perhaps even inspire them to become an author themselves yeah the first thing I always say to children is who in the room likes creating stories and you'll see hands kind of creeping up slowly in the room of you know children that you know really want to say yes but aren't quite sure and I say to them there and then if you like creating stories if you like making up stories you are an author just like me and it doesn't matter if those ideas are in your head if they're in your notebook if they're in your school book or if they're on your computer if you like creating stories you are an author the only thing you still left to do is that little bit of practice till you get to the point where your books are on the shelves and you're sharing your stories with people but it's really important that children know that they can achieve things they need aspirations they need hope they need that excitement installed in them that they then want to go away and create their stories or they want to go away and dream of what they can be and for me that's really important that when you leave a school you leave the children feeling empowered by the visit that they've had and that they want to go away and do things I agree. And do you find, whenever I've spoken to children, I have always found that they have quite a stereotypical view of what an author looks like. Have you found that on your visits that they they kind of expect one thing and, and then they get the wonderfulness that is you? Do you find that they have kind of different expectations Yeah, I go to some schools and there's very much a a pre-misconception of what I was going to look like or how I was going to act or, you know, how the session would be. I mean, I I went to one school and a little girl came up to me and said, are you Julia Donaldson? And uh, I I said, I wish, but I'm not. Um, 
and it, it's that premise conception of what an author is and that you know authors only look a certain way or they only act so way. I went to another school where they thought I was just going to sit and read a book to them that I wasn't going to do anything else and anyone that knows me I'm a very active person so my sessions are quite interactive um, I'm constantly you know pulling people up to take part we're constantly doing things around the stories or we're doing activities or I'm getting the audience to engage or embarrassing teachers there's lots of different ways to engage as an author it's not just about you know sitting in a cave writing a story and then going out and signing some books and I think that's where children don't see all the adventures we have all the research we do all the work that goes on behind the scenes all the traveling and all the other compartments of being an author or an illustrator as well you know they they seem to have this idea already set and it's so nice to then go and burst that bubble and show them that you know anyone can be an author anyone can be an illustrator as long as they've got that love and that passion for the work that they're doing yeah I think it's great it just does open up their eyes to the fact that it's actually a job you can do it for a living yeah and I think you know a lot of children still have that pre-misconception as well of as soon as you write a book you're a millionaire so Mm -hmm. it's important to give them that that realistic expectation that yes authors can earn a living from writing but there's a lot of work that goes into that and after you write your first book unfortunately you're not going to necessarily get a theme park which is usually my first question that I get asked you know I wish I did have a theme park but not quite yet maybe one day maybe one day yeah never say never yeah so would you care to share one of your best most favorite school visit moments I'm sure you've had lots um I sometimes travel around with a yeti called Yoshi and uh, my yeti Yoshi is about six foot tall. He loves milk and cookies and he is approximately 343 years old. However, he's a very, very naughty yeti and can be quite unpredictable at times. And we were in a school doing um, a live um, interactive story time uh, with the entire school. Uh, It was a treat for the end of year. And uh, this particular hall had two doors. And we'd finished doing our story with the Yeti. He'd been his usual mischievous self. And um, everyone said bye to him. And he went out the one door. And then every time I went to start the next story, he'd run in through another door. And then run out through the other door. And then run in through the other door. And the head teacher came and told him off. And he tried to kidnap the head teacher. So we've had a few uh, harebrained moments with my Yeti. He can be uh, quite unpredictable and mischievous, but it means that it's never a boring experience when he's around. Ah, that sounds amazing. I would like to meet Yoshi the Yeti. He sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, he is. And <laughs> he, he, he's going to be making a fair few appearances over the next few years. So uh, I don't think we've seen the last of Yoshi the Yeti. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. So my final question that I always like to ask people is whether they're currently working or anything that they can tell us about. Now, I know you've said there's something that's been um, picked up that you can't talk about and you've got a chapter book, another one coming out at the end of next year. Is there anything you're currently working on that you, you can maybe give a few hints about? I am a typical pantser. So I have the very bad habit of being a pantser. For anyone that doesn't know what a pantser is, I don't plot my stories in advance I like to write them by the seat of my pants and explore with the characters Uh, the benefit of that is 
it's really exciting. The downside of it is I'm constantly writing about three or four stories at the same time. And anyone that's in my critique group or anyone that proofreads my work for me thinks I'm a nightmare because I'm constantly flicking between ideas. Um, So at the moment, I'm working on three stories. Um, One is a picture book about a dancing robot. Um, One is a chapter book about a magic hat. And the other one is a middle grade book about monsters. So they're the three that I'm working at the moment because I can flick between them without confusing myself too much because they're different age groups, they're different genres. And it's nice to have a break from one and move my head into something else. So I like to work on multiple things to keep myself motivated, keep myself interested. And then when I'm going back through editing, it also means that I can work on things while I'm editing other things as well. Oh, I like it. So are you one of those people who can also read several books at the same time? Because my son has that talent, talent, but I'm very much a one book at a time kind of girl. No, it has to be one book at a time, but I can't read it in bits. I have to read it from start to finish. So if oh. I read a book, I have to finish it straight away. Like, I have to read it from start to finish. If I put it down, I'll have to go back to the beginning and read again. But I'm quite a quick reader, so I can usually get through most books within a couple of hours. Wow. My mum used to say I used to eat books because yes, our, I think... yeah, our bill was quite high for books. <laughs> That's a good thing, though, surely. Yeah, I raided most of the charity shops when I was younger. Um, and uh, because books were so expensive, especially when I was little, um, I used to go to the charity shops and raid them. Then I'd bring the books back. And the woman used to feel so sorry for me that she used to give me the books for half the price if I traded back in the old books. So I'd constantly be back and forth to, uh, I think it was Bernardo's at the time. Um, and they were lovely in there. I used to go and sit in and read the books as well, <laughs> which I'm, I'm not sure you're supposed to do in a charity shop, but they were lovely. So, And our library um, knew me by name and just knew which corner I'd be hiding in at any one time. So, yeah, I, I, I read quite quickly. I, I devour my books. I, I become oblivious to the world. Oh, amazing. I'm very envious. very envious well that's brought me to the end of my questions actually so all that's left me to do is to wish you a very happy and very busy book week I'm sure that you've got lots of exciting things lined up to do then yeah I am on tour all week because it's the week before VTF comes out um so the Vigilante to Fairy comes out on the 12th and the week before is World Book Week. So I'm at schools all week, right up until launch week. And then we're at the London Book Fair uh, with Tiny Tree. Um, so we'll be there throughout the week as well. So it's an exciting few months ahead. Scary few months, but exciting few months as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping that people um, welcome Mouse into their hearts as much as I have. Oh, I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that they will. But lovely thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this evening no thank you so much for having me and thank you for all these wonderful questions it's been absolutely fantastic oh you're most welcome and have have a great rest of the evening as i said have a great book week and hopefully we'll be getting some um some feedback on your book from some real live children readers oh that's scary oh, that's scary that's the scary part no, it'll be, it'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fine, I'm sure. Lovely. Okay, well, th- again, thank you so much. And um, what's left me to say now is, is goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that and that you want to go out and read the Vigilante Tooth Fairy now or maybe even book BB for a visit to your school. I have it on very good authority that she is a brilliant guest author to visit. I was hoping to get some feedback from one of the schools she visited for World Book Day, but unfortunately, due to technical issues, they've been unable to record their views for me at present. However, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they might be able to record them for me to add later. Either way, the head teacher said that BB was absolutely brilliant and really inspired her pupils to read more books and that the lucky readers had had a sneaky peek of the Vigilante Tooth Fairy really enjoyed it. So that is it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure that you remember to subscribe so you get alerts when the next episode is broadcast. And I can tell you now that I'll be chatting with author Amanda Addison about her beautiful picture book, Boundless Sky, which is out with Lantana Publishing and is about the dual migration of a young girl called Lila and a bird. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to read reviews of any other current children's literature, make sure you head over to my blog, librarygirlandbookboy.com, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at booksuperhero2, or I do have a Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group, so you can find me everywhere. That's it until next time. Bye-bye.